0: The good, the bad, and the Boucherian. The good, the bad, and the
1: Boucherian.
0: And folks, you're listening to The Good, the Bad, and the Boucherian. Interesting. And now that you're it, we're still on that topic, I think uh, I was asking my mom, uh, our mom, rather. I,
1: I just wanted to be the best. Like, if was, it was... If if we play football, like, over lunch hour and my team lost, I would feel so bad. And everyone else is just, like, relaxed. Like, everyone else is like, it's just a game. It's just, like, literally, it doesn't mean anything. Like, you just played for one hour now. You lost by one goal. Like, it doesn't mean anything. To many people, it didn't mean anything. But to me, I was like, damn, I should have done better. I should have scored that goal. I should have made that pass to make that goal. And that's that's just football. Even even video games. Even if you are playing PS, I always want to like be the person who's winning all the games. I don't want to I don't want to lose a game. So probably that that translates <laughs> to uh-huh. that that translated to even my books. Yeah, I think yeah, I think sometimes sometimes you you come to realize that it's probably not that deep because like even when we're watching the World Cup, like um. France was coming back, like me, I was literally shaking. I, I couldn't even understand what was happening. Like, this was the, it, it felt like it was the biggest day in my life and Argentina was throwing it away. And <laughs> now, 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 now my body, my body couldn't cope because like I, I couldn't really understand how Argentina was going to lose that game. I remember like in the last, that, that was the first time in my life I got used to being average.
0: Like, you're an average kid, like... So, who would have thought that my 100th episode would be me doing an episode, a podcast, with my brother, my follower? And, uh, obviously, he's someone I know a lot... Like I'm telling you guys, it's very hard for me to do episodes this point I know because you're always like working on eggshells, and so you have some conversations off the pod, and never know probably where to draw the line with some of the conversations. But today, my guest in the studio is David, is Center, uh, when a freshman, a freshman at the Yale University, and today we'll bring a lot about his journey and a lot of that. So, David, did you know you'd end up in Yale? Have you always been a smart fellow ever since you were a
1: young lad? Um, funny story. I actually wasn't... Um, I wasn't sure I was going to go to Yale. I obviously applied to a couple of schools, and Yale was among my top schools, like in terms of the schools I was thinking about. But I did not think I'd make it to Yale because... Um, Yale is a big school, Yale is a prestigious school. It's up there with the best schools in the world. And that means it's very difficult to get into.
0: So even as I
1: was applying there, I was probably just um, saying, let me just apply for the sake, let's see how it goes. I wasn't really sure or really confident that I was gonna get to. In fact, when I was um, opening my decisions, it was the very last school I opened it was the very last letter I opened to check if I'd gotten in. And funny enough, I got into Yale. And all my plans to go to the other schools that I'd gotten into before that had to be put on hold because now I'd gotten into Yale. To answer your second question, if I had always been a smart child growing up, um, I think many people... Um, regarded me as a gifted child in terms of like uh, my academic prowess like even as a as a child my my teachers used to tell me that I'm intelligent and I probably need to do better because um, I'm underperforming sometimes my teachers used to say I'm underperforming and I really need to reach for the stars because I had so much potential and I used to wonder what does it mean that I have so much potential. How do you know I have so much potential yet I haven't shown the potential? Because my teachers used to tell me that. We know you have so much potential to be the best, but they're just not showing us that you're the best. You need to like do more. So I always had a feeling that I'm, I'm gifted because um, I would probably go through exams fairly easier than most kids my age would go through them. Like I didn't need to put in so much effort to like thrive so yeah from a young age uh, i kind of felt that i was I was intelligent i can
0: say that aha uh-huh. you've actually brought something very interesting that now i'll have to ask a question on that because i think i've also had this conversation with someone before about this having so much potential so for a lot of us we're always told you have so much potential yet as you said some you they've never actually seen you tap into this potential so how would they know you have this potential. So, for you, from your experience and how you've reached, how far you've reached in life, how do you think people gauge this potential? How do, people say you've, ne- you've never actually tapped into it, but you, you've they, they claim that you have this potential. So, for you, how do you think they mm-hmm. gauge that? And then, as well as, obviously, younger, I think, uh, of all my siblings, of all of us, you're the one who says school's the youngest, and Mami kept saying how she didn't like how you said school when you are three. It was three, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so for you, do you think at some point that has been a disadvantage or an advantage for you? Obviously, I'm not sure puberty-wise or even not necessarily even that way, but do you ever feel that you are at a disadvantage compared to your classmates who probably couldn't quote said school
1: on time? Right. So um, to answer your first question, I think um, how people kind of get an idea of what someone's potential is, is probably one way to look at it is probably how much effort someone puts in to get a result. For example, um, in primary school or probably in high school, you'd see some people actually studying um, virtually 24-7. Someone is always in class, someone is always... Um, asking questions, someone is always doing like all the assignments, someone is really putting in work. And a teacher would look at that person and look at you and be like, yeah, David is is not even stressing. Like he's he's barely concentrating in class, Um he's just he's just present. He's just in the moment. And probably when you do a test, you still you're still like head and shoulders above the rest. That was missed sometimes. Like I, I, wouldn't like put in so much effort, but I would still manage to be like the top of my class most of the time. So a teacher would be like, um, "I know you're doing well, but you probably need to do so much more because um, the people you're competing with in this school—they're not even in your league. Your league is probably the rest of the world. You're supposed to be competing with um, the best brains in this world. You're supposed to be competing with." the best brains in Kenya, like you shouldn't be competing with the students in your school because you've clearly shown that you're you're better than them and you should probably be thinking about competing with the best in the country if you want to go to the best high school. That was the mentality when I was in primary, like you need to beat the best to be the best and probably in my primary school teachers used to say, the kids here are not in your level because we, we feel you have more potential, something like that. So that's probably how our, our teachers used to give like what your potential is looking like because they can see like how much how much effort you're putting into getting a certain result. Then uh, you mentioned that I started I started school fairly early. But honestly looking back I don't think like it affected me so much because I feel like um, the difference between me and most of my peers is like it's like six six months max because like obviously it's not the same year but like I was born in July so someone born um, December two thousand and two and July two thousand and three is like it's like six seven months it's, it's not too much of a gap so I feel like most of my peers most of the people in my year we were like on the same wavelength in terms of like maturity, in terms of like um, growth. So it didn't really affect me so much. I felt like I was very much in, in style with most of my peers. And if I had a chance to like um, start all over again and probably decide if I was to start school at age three or four, I'd, I'd probably still do the same thing I did. I think it was a Perfectly
0: great decision to start school early. Interesting. And now that you're still on that topic, I think uh, I was asking my mom, uh, our mom, rather, about um, you know how obviously all of us are parented by the same parents, but all of us turn out very differently. And mm-hmm. clearly, you've shown time again that of us, all of us, you're the one who's probably the most book smart or probably the most dedicated in their studies. Like you mm-hmm. see for like when when I'm talking to other people and uh they're asking me how you're doing and I tell them, you know, David is doing his double major in Yale. And I always mm-hmm. have to include and tell them that for me I would never do that. Like for me, I just do mm-hmm. one major and probably now spend the rest of the time trying to have fun and you know doing all the things that wouldn't take a toll on me that much. But for you, mm-hmm. on the other hand, you're very immersed in your books. And now I remember. Uh, Mm -hmm. our youngest brother's results came out and definitely Mm -hmm. we're just looking back at how much effort he put in for his results. Obviously, he performed well, but as Mm -hmm. we talked about his potential again. And so, Mm -hmm. um, I remember when, obviously, Mami's story about how Billy didn't read for his KCPE, whatnot, you know, that famous story. And, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling like no more of a I don't speak a lot about myself in this podcast, but, um, so she says that, and now for me, yesterday we were just asking her, what about us now makes us different in terms of, for David, when he was doing his KCPE, he knew the implications of being KCPE. So in context, again, it's more of, was, it was just talking about how for a class 8 child, a lot yeah. of us don't didn't know, and a lot of them don't know the implication of that exam. So mm. your parents are stressing about you, reading hard, Going to a good school but for you you don't understand what all these things mean for you wondering what is mm-hmm. this big deal about going to such a big school for some of us we just want to mm-hmm. settle for really any school because we don't understand what the big deal is about but i was talking to mom and just asking her how come for david it was different where david all along had been um had been very dedicated and very studious in doing his work so for him how come it sunk in what this exam meant and for Me and my youngest brother didn't sink in as much as it did for David. You know? So you can answer that question. Maybe now, since it's you, for you, what made the difference at that point?
1: Yeah, if if, if I look back, um, probably, like, in the grand scheme of things, since um, you know me probably better than 99% of humans on this app, you know that, like, personally, I'm a very competitive person. Not, Not in books alone. In fact, um... As you know that I always always dreamed of becoming a footballer. Like outside of books, like I think I'm pretty talented in playing football. And I always wanted to be like a footballer, to play in like the best leagues, to probably be the next Messi. That that was my biggest dream. Like even 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 coming off the World Cup finishing a few days ago, I'm just looking at it and saying I just wish I was like even representing my country. Just really? Like, that's my biggest dream like if i if i if i if i ever play football on the biggest stages i think that will have like completed my my lifelong dream maybe like that's that's my b- biggest dream so um even as a young child like i always wanted to be like the best in sports i wanted to like score the most goals when you're when, when you're training in, in football i wanted to like I, I just wanted to be the best like
0: it if was
1: it if was if we play football like over lunch hour and my team lost, I would feel so bad. And everyone else is just like relaxed. Like everyone else is like, it's just a game. It's just like literally, it doesn't mean anything. Like you just played for one hour now, you lost by one goal. Like it doesn't mean anything. To many people, it didn't mean anything. But to me, I was like, damn, I should have done better. I should have scored that goal. I should have made that pass to make that goal. And that's that's just football. Even even video games. Even if you are playing PS, I always want to like be the person who's winning all the games. I don't want to I don't want to lose a game. So probably that, that translated <laughs> to uh-huh. that that translated to even my books. Like I probably wasn't like the smartest person, but I also believe that like it's probably impossible to measure like how smart someone is. Like being being being, being good at doing exams and passing passing exams doesn't mean you're like really intelligent so even when you're doing exams in, in school sometimes like um someone would defeat me in an exam and i was like damn i don't want to be number two ever again i don't want to be number two and i would probably just read for an exam just because i don't want to be number two ever again like you study just because you want to surpass the person who surpassed you once and that's the only reason you study and probably the competitive aspect in me made me like so well, like um, who I'm going up against even in primary school. Cause like those, those, those kids around me, my age, who are also like um, doing better than me in terms of academics who are like um, probably scoring for fifties when I was getting for thirties. So I would always study in hopes of like just surpassing everyone who was better than me in one way or another. So yeah. So from, from, from a very young age, I, I knew I always used to dream of, like, the big moments when I was, like, the very best. Like, whether it was in, like, KCP or, like, in, in football or, like, anything I'm doing. Like, I always, like, make it, take it upon myself to give the very best and nothing less. So I think that's that's what kind of made the difference for me, like, in, in primary. Yeah.
0: And even now with your competitive nature, has it served mm-hmm. you? Obviously, clearly, as you said, it served you a lot. But have you ever seen some of the downsides of being competitive? Like, for example, we were just laughing uh, that day and just asking, hey, how is David doing? With the time when uh, France was catching up to Argentina, we was just saying, "Wow, well, David, right now, if that, he had his exam and Argentina has lost, hey, exam, we don't even mm-hmm. know how it will go. So for you, have you ever seen the downsides of your competitive nature? Yeah, I think
1: yeah, I think sometimes, sometimes you you come to realize that it's probably not that deep, because like even when we're watching the World Cup, like um, France was coming back, like me was literally shaking. I, I couldn't even understand what was happening. Like this was the it, it felt like it was the biggest day in my life, and Argentina was throwing it away. And now, now, now my body, my body couldn't cope because, like, I, I couldn't really understand how Argentina was going to lose that game. And even like, in a more general aspect, or in a more general sense, I feel like, um, obviously, like, the person I was like seven years ago back in high school is probably not the same person. That was of like mentality wise, because like, um, when I was in class eight, I probably wanted to like defeat everyone. I probably obsessed about defeating everyone and being the very best. That's what I, I used to think about probably 24-7. But when I go to high school now, now you realize that how, however much you try, you're probably in the best school in Kenya. You you, you can't just be the best. It's 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 virtually impossible. Like there's, there's probably 100 kids who are smarter than you, who probably need to put in half the effort you put in to get double the marks you're going to get, so like it's not even it's not even a competition anymore. There's people who are smarter than you. There's people who will do better than you in exams. And now once I got into high school, I realized that you should run your own place. Like uh, at the end of the day, like um, you're not all like going to be fighting for the same same position or the same sport. You're all like trying to to make it out in your own way so like the most important thing is probably to compete with yourself and that's what like i really learned and it's not like you need to like surpass yourself every single day like my mentality changed because i realized that it 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 all starts with like the small things. like if you improve daily just by doing the really small things. i was talking to someone a few years ago they were telling me just if you want to improve and to make yourself better just start by just making your bed every day. Because if you don't make your bed every day, you're starting the day off on a bad note. So just start by like getting the small tasks right at the beginning of the day. And once you get the small tasks right, then you probably end up having a productive day, a successful day. And at the end of the day, if you've probably done 90% of what you wanted to do, that's that's a that's a win day. That's that's a that's a great day. And if you keep doing that. And keep compounding improvement, then you'll be untouchable. So, like, I think my my mentality moved from um, someone who's like trying to compete with others to try and try to be basically the best I can be. Because so at the end of the day, you can't you can't really compete with others and win in every single um, thing you're trying to to be good at. It's it's impossible.
0: So, again, with that, for you, how are you able to internalize that? At the end of the day, you're supposed to compete with yourself. Because for a lot of us, it's really, if you go through the 844 system, it's always a competition against people. So, you can improve. Well, that's well and good. Like might, you, Not even everyone. Like, the more close to you can clap, mm-hmm. that you've improved. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's like you've improved according to what metric and against which people. So, let's say this time I was number 100, for example. So Mm -hmm. my marks have improved, but I've gone back to number 120. The system Mm -hmm. would appreciate you you improving. It will always wonder why are you not now again in the top 100? So for you, how are you able Mm -hmm. to understand that this competition, and now obviously translating to life that it's a competition against yourself? yourself. Because again, in the world, obviously in a capitalistic world, you can say that your business is improving, but obviously Mm -hmm. you have standards that you're supposed to set, there's a market standard, and so obviously you're set to always compete against other people. So Mm -hmm. for you, how are you able to internalize that? And now that we're still on that point again, please take Mm -hmm. me again to Yale for a bit where obviously as you said you are one of the best schools in the world, meaning you're getting the best brains in the world. So Mm -hmm. we thought Alliance was bad but I'm sure Yale gets worse in terms of Mm -hmm. The competition in terms of the brains in each class and so mm-hmm. um for you you said again there's people who are probably putting and i'm sure this you even see it in yale kabisa well there's people putting half the effort by getting double the results you know mm-hmm. so for you how yeah. have you been able to again cope with that understanding that everyone is different mm-hmm. i think I'll,
1: I'll start with the yale question since that's the one that I can't remember. I think I've partly forgotten the first question. You'll you, you remind me. So, um, obviously, coming from Alliance High School to Yale was kind of like um, a big a, a big shift because um,
0: the high school I went to
1: was probably, or arguably, the best high school, or among the most competitive high schools in Kenya. Like, um, they take the best students from KCP and you guys compete and you guys, like, work so hard and like you guys have to like fight for is basically like you know the system in kenya is in such a way that um you have to be the best to to probably like go to the best university because i mean you have to probably get a really high high grade to go, go on and do medicine or engineering or law all the prestigious courses the the system is in such a way that you have to defeat those around you in order to thrive. Like if if KCSE is done and everyone gets an A, they'll probably revise all those A's and make sure that most of those A's become um, some of them become c some of them become B pluses because they want to like basically divide people and make sure that the really top and the cream of the lot are at the top and the rest of them are basically at the bottom. Where like here at Yale it's it's a little different. Um obviously most of most of this ninety five percent of the students here are like really smart, really talented. Like I was so shocked my first two weeks here like everyone can play at least like three instruments. Three. Like really well. Like everyone here can play the piano or the sax or like the guitar and like it's crazy. Like in terms of musical talent I've never seen this in my life. Like you just Ask a random person to play the piano you'll be so shocked. Like it's crazy. Like people are actually talented. And even in the classroom, um people are smart, people are both smart. But at the same time, um in it is, is kind of hard, especially like the major I'm doing. I'm doing electrical engineering and computer science. So like the the cost the classes are 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 kind of like heavy. And you you, you come to realize that Because the nature of the classes are like quite weighty, that all of you are actually like struggling at the same time somehow. Like it's not like someone is like gliding through the classes and the rest of you are struggling. Most of the time it's all of you like are struggling through that class. And the system here is not like competitive in such a way that um if you if you perform so highly and become the best in the class then something happens. Uh, the system is in such a way that um, the students are more collaborative. We like work together to help each other. So like um if it's a project you're working on, you wanna work on the project together to find like the easiest and fastest solution to reaching that problem. So probably if there's four of you you won't work individually to get the answer. But you'll work together to get the answer faster. So obviously this is a school with like the biggest and the best brains in the world. But at the same time, I think it's kind of a different system to to what we had like back in, back in high school. So you don't, you don't really feel the pressure to like, surpass your peers. You don't feel like I need to get a 99% in this test so that I'm better than all my peers. There's no such pressure. Like you, you care more about like going through the classes together and like trying to, um, solve problems together. Trying, trying to basically pull through together. So that's that's kind of the difference. So you don't feel so pressured to like um, surpass others. Like it's a collaborative sport.
0: And now on the accepting the the competition is yourself. How are you able to
1: do that? Hmm. Yeah. So I think yeah, you mentioned this something that are, you could like you could probably do an exam and be positioned like 100 and probably um, improve like improve personally and like be a better version of yourself and end up being positioned 120 probably that, that that happens and that that could happen to anyone and sometimes i used to look at it and say however much you're improving you have to always bear in mind that everyone is also improving in a way or you, or you at least must assume everyone is improving so if you're improving and everyone is everyone else is improving at a at a faster rate then in the grand scheme of things you're, you're not improving in fact you're probably going backwards understand mm-hmm. so like I, I always I always I always have the mentality that if if I'm to be the best I have to literally outwork everyone and if you outwork everyone and you're not the best, then there's nothing more you can do. But if you, if I, if I really dig dig deep and become like the absolute best I can be, and like know that I couldn't do no more, you know, like you know, like the way you, in high school and like primary growing up, you used to be taught, you know, there's a room for improvement. Um, I used I used to tell myself that I want to do so well that I leave no room for improvement, like. If you're going to do a test, like you have to do it so well that there's no room for improvement. Although basically, unless you're going to do a test, basically get a hundred percent. There's no room for improvement once you get a hundred. So that's the mentality I had in me. Like I have to like always like outwork everyone. Always like be the best. And obviously, um, sometimes it's, it's easier said than done because. You're growing up as a teenager in high school there's a lot of distractions, so sometimes you you probably just like this the the, the semester goes by and you're just having fun but yeah at least having the great mentality is, is always a great starting point so yeah that's how it was
0: and now again now let's talk about even in yeah like actually before even ask about even more about yale it's just more of for you did younger david know Mm -hmm. that he wanted to be in an ivy league university did he dream globally what were david little david's dreams when he was growing Mm -hmm. up what careers did he want to pursue apart from obviously the football the football was definitely there that's one thing if you ask anyone who knew david that's one was there but definitely in in Kenya you'd always be told that won't work in Kenya so pick something else. So what was David's vision when he was younger and how has it changed over time? Mm-hmm.
1: Um obviously in my earlier years of like high school, that's when you probably start thinking about universities and probably want you to study in in union once you get to Um I think in high school I didn't stress so much about like where I want to go in uni because I knew that living in the moment is more important than probably thinking about the future. What I mean is probably thinking about joining Harvard you know, for One is a good thing. But also like that would help you so much in the present because like the most important thing when you're in for one is probably getting through um, introductory physics or introductory chemistry, for example. Yeah, so I think that's, we can't even go like so many years back. Even at the beginning of this year, I didn't even probably think I would be at year. Even five years ago, I wasn't thinking about like um, going to an Ivy League university. Not because I didn't want to go to an Ivy League university, but because I think I was more focused on the present. Because um, as a high school student, you probably you should probably be thinking about more of what you're doing in the moment than what you do once you're done in high school. Like a form one a from one kid should probably be more interested in um, learning all the intro physics and intro chemistry before they think about probably going to Harvard or going to Yale. So in high school, I knew, like, the most important thing was, like, doing my best and probably um, scoring very highly in, in KCSE. So, like, I knew once I got that right, then everything else will, will, will kind of fall in place. Because, like, I mean, whatever grades you get in high school will probably um, help determine the trajectory of their life, at least in the more foreseeable future. So I wasn't really thinking about, like, whatever units I was going to join. I was more focused on, yeah, getting getting high school done fast and getting it right. Um, in terms of, like, what career I was, I was thinking about or what careers I was thinking about in high school, I think... Um, being, being a brilliant child, uh, most people would always tell you about um, do medicine or try do medicine or engineering. I think those were like the top two people would, would tell me about it or, or the top two like, that I was made to consider. But uh, I never really liked biology in high school. Uh, I didn't like the, the reading aspect and the cramming aspect of it. So I prefer to do lots of physics and chemistry. And those are like my strongholds in terms of the sciences. So when it came to like deciding what uh, what degree or what major I was gonna do, I knew it had to be something related with engineering. I, d- I just didn't know which one, but I knew it was gonna be engineering. So like with the time I got like a, a deeper uh, understanding of probably what I'm more interested in and more aspects of like engineering and electrical engineering. Yeah, so that's how it has been.
0: And even now with the going abroad, I remember ever since we were young, Mami had been adamant about any of us doing uh, uni, undergraduate abroad. And at least for me I took to it and I at least even when my friends ask me why didn't you go abroad, I always tell them, my mom told us this, and for me, I'd accepted it from way before. So even after mm-hmm. I got finished high school, when all my friends are mm-hmm. applying, for me, I never had any of the sort of pressure, because for me, I'd already accepted that going abroad is not for me, mm-hmm. and I'll stay in Kenya, right? So mm-hmm. for me, I never felt the pressure for going to abroad, but for you, you're very headstrong, and you wanted a different path for yourself, so why is that? So why did you Choose a different path and has it paid off in terms of? I remember one of the, some of the things Mami used to tell us were like the culture shock aspect, obviously being right. young, and for you now starting school early meant that you're younger. So, right. and Mami obviously had those fears. So have those fears been actualized, or would you and you from a past where you see it, would you still recommend someone to come abroad, or would you say, actually, uh, I'd actually to do underground first in Kenya?
1: I think if if we're looking at like mom's perspective, like she was probably right in very many aspects, especially because like she's she's looking at it from the parental point of view of like um, having a child abroad. There's so many things that could happen or things that could go wrong, and the child is not um, a few a few miles away from where you live or basically in your own house. Um, but I had like some valid reasons for thinking about going abroad. Firstly, because I was I was thinking about like I like to call engineering. I knew that Kenya probably is not the best place to to study such a degree because is um, probably at this at this point in time is more of a consumer of like manufactured products than more of a developer. So like all the electronics we use are basically imported. So even going off the best university in Kenya an electrical engineering degree, your degree (laughs) won't be as applicable in any way. Um, Probably if I was thinking about doing another degree like um, medicine, then yeah, staying in Kenya would would have been like very feasible because as a doctor you can um, get into practice and like um, do lots of stuff with a degree from university in kenya but like the electrical engineering i felt like i had to come to um, a country that really manufactures things a country that like gives you the best education in terms of like hands-on experience so yeah those are some of the things that are making me not consider like doing my undergrad um, in kenya and also a few things that i say were kind of necessary like,
0: moving, move,
1: moving from home, like, at, at, at 19, obviously, coming to a new country, there's, there's lots of things that you'll experience that you've never experienced before, especially because um, moving from a more conservative country like Kenya to a more liberal place like the United States. Like, um, most of the things that are probably taboo in Kenya this country probably has no taboos. This there's, there's probably everything everything can go. You can decide to be whatever you want. You can you can dress however you like. Like some some of those things most of these things I look at and I say, Wow, this some of these things are actually good. Like for example, like um in, in 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 Kenya you wouldn't like keep long hair as a student in school, but here yeah, you can Keep long hair, and no one is going to ask you anything. There's lots of like um, people use their voices, and they are hard. So like coming from Kenya, like you, you can be shocked by how like people do their things because um, you're used to like keeping quiet when some things happen. But here, people will protest about anything and everything if something doesn't go their way. Let's believe um, people are going to protest, and people are going to like make their voices heard. So there's lots of things that um take some getting used to. Um but I think it's also a good experience because um living away from home you get you get you're like you're basically forced to grow up because no one is looking after you, no one is making sure you're going for classes, no one is making sure you're you're doing anything really. You have to be on top of things on your own. And I think that is an inevitable eventuality for everyone really. At some point you, you must grow up. At some point you must get used to managing own financing. Uh, at some point you must get used to doing something. So as much as it's not probably the most ideal um, way to go through university because I'm obviously away from home eight hours apart. So even like speaking to you guys is probably like once in two weeks but like yeah it's, it's it's never too often because most of the time i'm like i'm swamped in work it's not the most ideal but at the same time it's, it's a good experience i mean at the end of the day nothing is nothing is perfect so like staying staying in kenya would have had its upsides and also its downside so i just had to pick my poison at the end of the day
0: uh huh, And with that as well, um, I remember in the last episode we did with Joram, we talked about this I want to hear your opinion where, do you think parents trust academically gifted children more than they do the rest in terms of, I remember even in high school, for my friends who did very well in KCPE, okay. the parents, even though they're not doing the best now in high school, the parents wouldn't stress too much about it because somehow I think they have some faith that this child is knows what they're doing and they tru- they trust their decision and they'll eventually do well or whatever they're, the path they trying to follow that they'll they'll do it well so do you think does that bias to our parents trust uh, academically gifted more children more like yeah. so if in your case where your parents would trust you and say if this path it's a path that he's analyzed very well he knows the implications he knows the merit and demerits and so if he's set his head to do this thing, then definitely he thought about he's just not woken up like Bill and decided, okay, mm-hmm. let me try this out, you know.
1: Um I think there's there's sort of like a subtle bias. Like it's probably not even conscious. It's probably um very subconscious from a parental point of view. Like they probably look at um a child who probably did well in primary, they, they kind of feel like because they did well, history sort of repeats itself and they can go on and do well again in high school because they've done it before, they can probably do it again. But probably for someone who hasn't uh, done something before, you, you're never too confident in saying, can this person really, really handle the pressure? Can this person really uh, handle doing university abroad? or um something of the sort like it's it's not really like um very uh i can't say like it's being it's favoritism or something i feel it's more subconsciously it just comes naturally to parents i feel like sometimes mom and dad will just probably agree with me on some things and sometimes they disagree with with you but i think it's just a subtle bias but I'm not sure.
0: Uh-huh. And so even now, now, just now for you obviously going to Yale, um, did you ever experience any imposter syndrome or did you think that you belong and this is the place you you want to be? Because I even remember one of your arguments for wanting to leave uh, the university you were before um, after doing about, even probably less than one semester, is that, uh, I talked about this again in a previous episode where the lecturers do not show up. They just send assignments. There's no coordination. There's no order, and for mm-hmm. you, you felt like the world had more to offer you mm-hmm. compared to a system that is not organized, a system that is not running mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So, how have you experienced the contrast between that and Yale? And did you have experience any imposter syndrome? Because I'm sure in your when you didn't experience imposter syndrome, did you? If so. Mm-hmm. If you did, also tell me, did you experience
1: it in Yale as well? Okay. Um, this is, that's a good question. Personally, I don't think, like, um, I've experienced imposter syndrome, at least not, not in the recent past. Like, I think a few years back, like, my early years of high school, I used to have lots of imposter syndrome, I think. Like, being in a class where you're like surrounded by so many smart kids, and like you're probably in a class where um, most of your classmates are, are, are better than you, and you probably try so hard in exams and they'll still defeat you, yeah, you get you get you get so much in imposter syndrome you kind of get used to it. I remember like in a last, that, that was the first time in my life I got used to being average. Like you're an average kid, like. You know, like back in primary, you were like the star. Like you just do an exam like this and everyone is chanting your name, how good you are. When I go to high school, I, I kind of got used to being average. Like every other every other child is probably better than you. So I experienced lots of imposter syndrome in high school. But by the time I was finishing high school, I think I had regained my confidence and I had like changed my mentality. In, in a way that I wasn't, I wasn't focusing on what everyone else was doing. I was only focusing on what I'm doing. And I think that that even translated to like um, my experience here in uni. Like even when when people are probably um, doing well in class, that could be fine as long as I'm also doing well. Uh, you, I I don't stress about. Um, someone else. You don't probably focus on people who seem to be like um, doing so well because at the end of the day, as long as personally I feel like I'm doing my best and I'm giving my best and um, I'm improving and um, I'm on top of things from a personal point of view, like that's good enough for me. Um, I, I don't feel I don't feel the pressure to like compare myself with other people because here you realize that you come from different backgrounds and it's not even close. Uh, For example, like I've I've talked to some of my American friends and you realize like the American system is quite different from like the Kenyan system, the education system. So like in high school, if you are really gifted child in America, you can take college level classes. So I, I I have a couple of friends who've taken like three or four college level classes when they were in high school. So basically to put it in simple words, like the math I'm doing right now as a first year student, uh one of my friends did that when they were the equivalent of form two. So basically when they were in form two, they were doing calculus. And when they were in form three they did probably more advanced calculus. So by the time they're getting here to first year, like their math background is so strong you can't even compete so you can't even like start comparing yourself to someone like that because your backgrounds are different and that means that you won't be able to like go through classes in a similar way because like some engineering classes that require calculus and more advanced calculus um, you probably you're probably taking that class as you're learning you're probably taking an engineering class as you're learning calculus. So it's gonna take you more time to understand a concept. As compared to someone who did the calculus in form two. You understand? Yeah. So um you realise that your backgrounds are so different but it's best to just like focus on yourself and do everything on yourself. So I don't think um I experience imposter syndrome so much as an individual, but I think like it's it's a thing because like yeah like everywhere you go you'll always meet people who what are talented and gifted and especially in a school like this there's so many people like that there's people who are like doing movies on netflix in real time like i know people here who have movies on netflix and it's, it's crazy like your film major would do the film on netflix bro big up so like there's people who are doing big things so you can imagine the imposter syndrome that someone could go through if they focus on other people and not on themselves
0: mm, that's actually very good perspective that's crazy that's very actually a very good way, way to deal with imposter syndrome instead of actually focusing on everything around you just uh accepting that this is your position and all of you are dif- gifted differently because i can imagine now you're trying to compare yourself with someone who has a film on netflix yet your interests are nowhere near film. So why is this guy giving you all that pressure? And on that note as well, uh, Mm -hmm. you're one of the only people I know who's dared to do a double major. Mm -hmm. And not only just a double major, but a double major in electrical engineering and computer science. For a lot of guys, they'll do a double major, but it'll be like something hard and something a bit easier. Mm -hmm. And again, obviously, when we tell a lot of people that story... They always tell us, ah, why is he doing that? Those courses, those courses are so hard. You should just pick one. And I always tell them, David knows what he's doing. Like, at the end of the day, he's decided to do this and let him do it. He's, and again, you don't have to be the person who will say, you discourage him to do it. So let him, he knows what he's doing. And then again, I always tell, I um, know uh, guys always say, obviously by the fact that David is already in Yale, that's enough to land him a job almost in any company he wants, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, okay, mm-hmm. if he chooses between computer science and I uh, like engineering, either way he goes, he'll be fine. But not doing a double major, that's crazy. So why would he want to do a double major, you know? So probably mm-hmm. you can debunk it for them here, why you choose to do a double major. Because I even said earlier, for me, I'd easily take one thing and run with it. I would not even mm-hmm. dream about doing a double major. So, talk to me about that and how your experience really has been doing a double major.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. First of all, the good thing with, like, electrical engineering and computer science, um, these are, like, two very related fields. Even at this point of, like, my Yale career, I haven't taken a single computer science class yet because... Um, even as you're double majoring, it doesn't mean like every semester you're taking an electrical engineering class and a computer science class. So for my first semester, for example, I've taken a class and a few other, like, so I've taken a math class and a physics class and other classes. So the good thing about this, these two majors, they're very related So like, what I learned in like, my electrical engineering class is probably a more in-depth analysis of what some of the computer science concepts are going to look like. So by the time I'm taking a CS class, I probably have the hardware perspective of like the software I'm learning about. Understand what I'm saying? So like the interrelated fields in a way. And it's a funny reason why I, 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 I picked electrical engineering and CS in particular but I also think it's because, like, um, I know that if you have like the ability to like code and program proficiently in this day and age, like it it, it it's very important because like um, the world is moving to a digital space where probably AI is taking over. There's been a, a trend of a few weeks. I've seen a few weeks ago. I've seen like people making. Um, AI replicas of like their selfies or things like that. I've seen that going over social media. And it's crazy. Like artificial intelligence can basically um, give you a, a complete clone version of yourself. I've, I know like AI has even been deployed to literally like code. Like you can go to like websites now and tell the AI to make for you another website. Or to like do anything you want the you want the computer to do. So like we are like living in an age where like the ability to code, the ability to like um, understand how computers work, is is kind of important, especially in my field, in the STEM field. It's really important. I feel like you'll find even um, biomedical engineering students taking a CS class, just one CS class, to like have the basics of coding you'll find many people interested in CS who are not even CS majors just because they know like, how important um, the software engineering aspect of like, things is. So even, even though it seems difficult, I, I still think it's, it's, it's very much doable. If, if, like, if, if you have your, your priorities set, right? if I plan my time properly, like, it's, it's not the hardest thing in the world. So, yeah, it can, it, it can very much be done. Yeah. But
0: do you have a life outside now, your books? Are you able to enjoy the things you enjoy? Are you still able to do football, for example?
1: Uh, yeah. In fact, in fact uh, I joined the team here, which is just kind, of, uh, which was kind of a big thing for me. So, yeah, so I play football uh, like... Twice a week, we have training twice a week, and we have matches during the weekend. So it's like twice a week. But because I'm in uh, New Haven, Connecticut, uh, the weather is kind of cold. It's like winter right now, so it gets really cold, really, really early in the year. So the season kind of ends early. But during the season, we play games, we have fun. So. I think the the biggest thing about like um, college is just like planning your time um, very like meticulously and intentionally into the tea. because at the end of the day I feel like I, every day I realize that there's always time for what you make time for and there's never time for for things you don't make time for like. Whatever situation you're in in your life, if you make time for something, that time will be there. And if you don't make time for something, that time will never be there. Like even when I was in my, in my in my gap year when I had nothing to do, for like very long, when I just finished one point, I was like basically free the whole time. Those things I still didn't have time for, I still wanted to do, even when I had nothing to do. And right now, even when I'm busy. I still like find find a way to watch like a Manchester United game somehow. So like being intentional with how I spend my time is 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 kind of important because like obviously my classes are really heavy. So I'd probably probably have a six day work week and one rest day. And one rest day is basically enough. And after getting that rest day you just get back to work and it's it's good enough, we have fun. And also, I think like um, the people around me, like my close friends in, 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 in uni, are also like doing the same kind of majors as me. Like, my roommate um, is doing mechanical engineering in CS. So, that's probably even weightier than electrical engineering in CS. So, like, we're normally just there, like, grinding at like 4 a.m., doing work. And we're not even stressing because, like, we're in this together.
0: So have you been able to find friends, You people you can call friends? You know how back at home you have your band of brothers. So have you been able to find that there?
1: Yeah, actually, actually one, one, one thing I've realized, like people at, at Yale are actually like really good people all around, like generally, like most people are like, good, is going. I was telling you guys a story on, a, a few weeks ago of how um, I was at one of the stores here. We were going to buy some food, I think, with a friend. But apparently, I didn't have cash on me. So, in fact, I just wanted water, but I didn't have cash on me somehow. So, I was going to buy the water, and I had to use my card. And the cashier up front told me that to use your card, you have to spend at least $50. And I was like, I just want water. There's no point of buying something unnecessary. Just to make it fifty dollars. It it doesn't make sense. So the person behind me was she, it was a lady and, and she, she goes here, she goes to Yale. So just like you know what, I'll just pay for you. It's it's what it's not really that big. It's just paid for my water, just like that. Um to me that was a big thing because like it was in Kenya, I don't think like that happens every day or general, but uh, I think also the system, the system here at Yale like makes first years bond a lot. Like we have lots of fun events and lots of like uh, activities that make like bond and like meet other people and make friends. And one is like the residential college system, which in layman terms is like, um, how we had houses in high school. Like at the LAMS you had like Greenhouse and Livingstone House and all those houses. So like you have houses and, have, and things like that. So like even, even, even here at Yale, we have like, um, our residential colleges compete in like intramural sports and things like those. So there's always opportunities to bond and have fun. And yeah, so like, I got lots of friends and yeah, all all my friends they know themselves, man. Shout out to you guys. We need to play some basketball soon after break.
0: <laughs> so even now, as we wind up, I remember I was talking to my friends and um how are you talking to my friends, and then they were like, you know, going to uni, I pay twenty-six K school fees per year.
1: Mm-hmm. Then
0: David said, Hold my beer, and decided let me on top of that, mm-hmm. let me Go to school and actually be paid to be in mm-hmm. school. So, like, wow, yeah. you know, I always wonder how yeah. our young sibling uh, will cope with that pressure. Now that obviously there's always that to be better than whoever came before you. Mm-hmm. So, for you again, do you ever feel like more is expected of you now that you're there?
1: Um,
0: from your parents, remember, from friends. Yeah. Uh
1: huh. I remember I was talking to to dad a few weeks ago. When I was telling him I'm I'm so stressed with work, like it's crazy. I remember there's there's a day I I was online on WhatsApp at like five a m then then mom texted texted in the group chat good morning. Then I told her I haven't slept, I'm still working. So dad texted and was like, uh, how are you doing? I know you're you're stressed and sometimes the stress can come from um being at such a school like Yale when you know there's so much pressure. Because imagine going to Yale and not making it. It doesn't look like something that could happen. And I just told, I remember just told that that actually I, I haven't even felt that pressure yet. Like the pressure to like um to make it now that because I'm at Yale. Because like I think um I'm 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 always more focused on the present. Like it doesn't matter like what I'll be doing like four years from now, where I'll be. Um. What matters is like what I'm doing right now, and if I have everything in order. So, yeah, there's this kind of some pressure because I'm at like a school like this, but I don't really feel it. Like um, I think I'm just a normal person still. Um. Yeah, we, I still talk to my friends, even when I'm back home. I see how oh, to my friends. So yeah, it's not it's not really much of a big deal. I'd say. So now,
0: uh, I also wanted to ask you, like, why would you want to see yourself in the next five years, ten years? What impact would you want to have? But you said you focus on the present. So does that question apply to you or it doesn't apply to you? Um, hmm, in the next
1: What's five or ten years.
0: Or really, where you want to be with your life, with your degree, with your, like, where you want your life to head towards?
1: Um, in, in, in my head, I always convince myself, I always tell myself that um, things are always going to, to be well in terms of like my degree, in um, terms of probably electrical engineering. I'll probably be, I might be in grad school in, in, in some university just um, studying some niche aspect of electrical engineering or computer science or machine learning. I might be, be working at at one of the big tech companies in the U.S., of course, so it's a good dream to to work um, at one of the best companies here because they're they're right here, and it's possible to like make it. I might also be doing like there's so many possibilities, but for me, I always tell myself that for me to feel like I have achieved my, my dream. I feel like I just have to play like competitive football at some point before I get too old. Somehow. Like mm-hmm. it always it always it always it always seems impossible because obviously football is a sport that um, age is a big factor. Like the the moment you hit like that you can't play football anymore. But um, there's players like there's players like Jimmy Vardy, I don't know if you've heard of him, like Vardy played mm-hmm. Vardy. Joined, played with Leicester in twenty sixteen and won the Premier League, and he was twenty nine. Basically, his break off season was at twenty nine years old. At twenty nine, players are seen to be like starting to head out of their prime. But Vardy made it into his prime at twenty nine, and is still played at a high level. He's now thirty six. So, like at the end of the day, like um, there's a really no. Okay, there's kind of an age limit, but you can always like play football, whenever. And even if I don't play football, like, competitively, I can probably dream of starting, like, a good, like, football club, like, back home. And, like, I don't know, natural talent in Canada because I feel like um, you have so much raw talent in Kenya. you can become the next Morocco if you just, like, nurture our talent. So I think that's, that's, like, one dream I've always had, like, since I was a child. And probably it's one dream that will always stay with me because, like, that's the most the most difficult thing in terms of like the other things in terms of careers and everything i feel like um with with god's grace where i'm at right now there should be no way for me to fail so yeah
0: and so finally i always tell guys that when i'm having a good conversation i'll have so many finalists but finally for you how has it been being a trailblazer so Obviously, from our family, you're the first to actually go to an Ivy League. From a lot of your circles, you're the first to go to an Ivy League. From mm-hmm. even education USA, you're the first to go to Yale. From you know, mm-hmm. so for you, you're yeah. a proper proper trailblazer. I even think about it, you know. Even before you left, obviously we know you're going to Yale. It's very exciting, but we don't understand the gravity mm-hmm. of how it's a big school. Because again, mm-hmm. times you just think, Ah, oh, David is my little brother, and so. Like for you is your brother. So it's not as big of a deal as someone who else who hears David is in Yale. And then you mm-hmm. hear it from other people and you sit down mm-hmm. and you understand how big Yale is. You think about mm-hmm. the acceptance rate of Yale. You think about how many applicants mm-hmm. apply to Yale. And your brother is one of the people who got accepted. And you realize that like for me, I realize that mm-hmm. it's definitely not luck. There's no way. Because by the time mm-hmm. they scrutinize all those things, they've gone through your statements, they've gone through your essays, you know. And for me, I'm seeing Dad as great. For me, it's literally my little brother. I've seen him grow up. I've seen him, you know, we've had our fights, we've had our good times, we've had all these things. Yeah. And so seeing you going that, and now when I think about it and I always conceptualize it, I always see how much of a big deal it is. Because sometimes when it's family, you try to downplay the yeah. achievement. Not necessarily even downplay yeah. the achievement consciously. consciously but for yeah. you, you think, ah, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Then other people make you, are so excited about. Then for me, I've just been every time I think about. Actually, I actually have a brother, in mm-hmm. Yale. You know, like if mm-hmm. this is no, your ordinary, you know, success or ordinary, um, story. This is someone yeah. in Yale. Only few people get to go to Yale. So for you, how does it feel being a trailblazer? Sometimes do you find it so surreal that you actually made it to Yale? Sometimes you get calls and you you it makes you actually appreciate more that you're in Yale? Because sometimes I know it, for you, it's something common, like waking up to the architecture, you know, like, this day is not as appalling as it would be for anyone who'd come here there and actually see how good Mm -hmm. it is. So for you, how is all that like?
1: Um, I feel even sometimes I still, I still get amazed by what this this school has to offer because um, obviously it's like, Sing, sing, Yale on, on like, on like the internet or like, um, YouTube. You, are like, yeah, it's an Ivy League university, the best of the best of the world, and all that. But you don't get, you don't get the real experience until you're finally here, because and, and it's and it's like the subtle things that a school like this would have that probably other schools would have. Like, I tell, I I, I tell my friends like, the first like, two months of college. As first years, we we have, we have something called duty nights in my, in my, in my, in, in, at Yale. So what duty nights is, is basically like, um, the upperclassmen would basically like host the first years to like some, some suite and basically Yale would pay for like pizza and like popcorn and food. And you guys would just have like a relaxed evening with, just having fun and the year you'll pay for all that, like we'll cover the whole expenses. Looks like a small thing. But we used we had duty nights like three times a week at least for the past like one and a half months. So like like every month Monday, Wednesday, Saturday you'd just go to like one of the suites, have food, have fun, and it's pizza, you'd have like garlic notes, sometimes you'd have have like wings. Things like those. It's the small things that make you feel like damn this is actually college. Like, I'm actually experiencing this. Like, this is crazy. Like, I'm basically living like I'm at home and I'm not at home either. So, it's the small things that make you realize, well, this this is a big place. And sometimes, actually, like, small things like those make me appreciate, like, being in a space like this. And also, like, um, I won't even get into the details, but this is a, it's a system, really, that, rewards hard work. Like, when you work hard here, like, you'll see the fruits in real time. And, obviously, Yale is an Ivy League university, so the mm-hmm. most famous people in, in the U.S. or in the world and probably the, the most wealthy people will donate to this school. So, like, you'll, you'll have fancy dinners and, like, fancy events and things like those. So, yeah, it, it, it really feels good, but also, like, in terms of, like, uh, being being a trailblazer, as you put it, like being the first of the first, like um, hmm. it's probably it's probably a, I don't know. I feel like it's just it's, it's good fortune from God to be here. At the end of the day, uh, five years ago, I didn't project myself to be here. So at the end of the day, I always attribute like everything to God because um. All my life i think i've just like um, walked like You probably don't know where you're going i'm gonna be uh eight months ago i didn't know i was gonna be at you and now i'm here i probably i don't know where i'll be like five years from now but God definitely knows. so um yeah so at the end of the day i attribute like all my success to, to god
0: so there you have it folks thank you for tuning into my uh hundredth episode. I think this is a very surreal And as I said, for my hundredth episode, it definitely has to be my brother. As we even just said here, how obviously you always see other people's achievements as big and so a lot of guys will come to the podcast. But for me it's just even for me, sometimes I I think there's this thing that always goes around that for firstbones you always see your siblings, your younger siblings as side characters in your main story and it's your story. But then actually appreciating your siblings and actually seeing the life they're building for themselves and what they're doing for themselves for me has been a very good thing to actually behold and witness and actually just see that your siblings are actually capable of the things of the things that anyone else really is capable of without you having to push them around so this is a message to the first boys especially but yeah so i i as I said uh even as we wrap up season two, uh thank you guys so much for continuing to listen to your boy every Sunday, for the guests for coming on, for all the feedback you guys continue to give this podcast without you guys, as I keep on saying the podcast wouldn't have gone on, but as we say, Asan, Sana, you guys have a lovely week ahead, tell me what you guys expect for season 3, what new things you guys would love to see what new guests you guys would love me to host have a lovely week ahead folks, happy holidays and cheers <phone rings>